Hey, it's Sam Sports Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's so good for me to be back. It's so good that you guys are back. I love talking with you so much. So happy to be back on the microphone. Got this snazzy equipment, as I said before. I'm still enjoying it. Still loving every single minute of it. Today is uh, Sunday, February 21st, 2016. Uh, jumping on, talking about a little NBA. Go through some of the trades that happened this, uh, this past week, as I'm going to say in today's podcast. Uh, the trade deadline was uh, somewhat uneventful. Uh, there were a couple of exciting trades uh, a little bit before, a couple of days before the deadline, and then there was a, a handful of trades that happened right around the deadline, but um, as I had suspected, and as many, many pundits suspected uh, going into the deadline, they did not feel it was going to be as exciting as years past, and it certainly was not. All of the big names, the big trade rumors that there was a lot of excitement and uh, things churning in the rumor mill about, nothing happened with these guys. Dwight Howard was not traded. Kevin Love was not traded. DeMarcus Cousins, Blake Griffin, nobody moved anywhere. <laughs> oh, gosh. The people that were traded were some eh, smaller, more you know rotational piece guys and also some future guys, and you'll see from each team's perspective that uh some of the teams went out and were able to get uh some trade uh bleh, some uh draft assets for future future picks first round second round picks and uh, other guys were able to sh- uh, other teams were able to shed calorie uh shed cal- uh, I'm talking all over myself shed salary from their cap and uh were able to make some things happen uh, so let's jump right into it let's uh get into it first couple of trades so here are the two trades that happened uh a couple of days before the trade deadline uh, the first one, which really shook some things up and also begins a discussion about Stan Van Gundy, the Detroit Pistons. They did they were pretty active during this trade deadline. Uh, the Pistons traded away Brandon Jennings and Ursan Ilyasova to the Orlando Magic for Tobias Harris. Now, a couple of things to consider here. Tobias Harris, a uh, young guy, uh, there is some differing opinions on his ability. Some teams, uh, I do feel that he, uh, believe he has talent and can bring a lot to your team, whereas other teams, I do feel, believe that uh, he is a points guy on a bad team and he does not really equate to wins. I'm going to credit Zach Lowe for that. He, uh, I heard that on his podcast recently. I think he made a very good point about that. However... Uh, Tobias Harris was locked into a deal uh, as of last offseason, so he's got three more years in his deal. So he is a young 23-year-old building block of a guy who can do a lot of things, uh, who's now going to the Detroit Pistons and can be a building block for that Pistons team. So kudos to Stan Van Gundy for trading pieces away and getting uh, a young talent who could be a nice building block for that Pistons team as they start to take form. Uh, To get back to the pieces he moved away, um, Brandon Jennings and Ursan Ilyasova both are on expiring contracts. Brandon Jennings, uh, I think, has been underperforming uh, on his contract for the Pistons since he arrived, um, and he is in the final year of his deal. Uh, Do not really think that he was going to be somebody who was ever going to work out. He was not particularly in the rotation for the Pistons. when they gave Reggie Jackson that money and that contract that they gave him last year after they uh, got him from the Oklahoma City Thunder, it sort of marked the end of the Brandon Jennings experiment in Detroit. So they moved him to Orlando. Uh, Ursan Ilyasova, I think, is also a good role player with Detroit, but he has an expiring contract, and he was probably a casualty of trades in order to get the piece that Stan Van Gundy wanted in Tobias Harris. Now, both guys, uh, as I said, expiring contracts, both of them have played for Scott Skiles before. So Scott Skiles, head coach of the Orlando Magic, used to be head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks when Brandon Jennings and Ursan Ilyasova were both there 
um, in Milwaukee. So there is a sense of familiarity with these guys coming to Orlando. Scott Skiles probably knows what he's getting with both of them. However, in the long run, um, I, I kind of graded the trade, and I do feel that both teams are going to benefit to a degree. Orlando is going to get some cap relief, as these guys are both going to come off of their books. I don't see much of a long-term uh, I don't see Ilya Silva or Jennings in the long-term picture for the Orlando Magic. Uh, possibly Jennings. Maybe they see something promising with him. But honestly, I think there's a bit of a logjam in their backcourt with Alfred Payton and Oladipo uh, that I don't really know how much room there will be for Jennings. And I think they're both going to be uh, cap casualties at the end of the season. Um, I do think the Pistons are winning the deal because they're getting a bit of a chip out of it with Tobias Harris, who's under contract, and he can be a good fit. Um and I believe they also, I think, were there, were there draft picks? In the, no, I don't think there were draft picks. And that was another comment that Zach Lowe made on his podcast was the fact um, that the Pistons uh, were able to get uh, Tobias Harris without giving up draft picks for him. There was a discussion that some guys really were warranting draft picks and they can be a valuable asset in a trade. Uh, however, um, Stan Van Gundy really did not have to give away any future first-round picks to get Tobias Harris. So, you know, good deal-making on Stan Van Gundy's part. Um, excuse me. Next trade that happened that day was a three-team trade uh, involving the Charlotte Hornets, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Miami Heat. You had Courtney Lee was one of the bigger pieces of the trade. The Grizzlies traded Courtney Lee. He's a pretty good shooting guard, nice journeyman, but he has been around to a lot of teams, and he has been involved in he, – he's, he's been a guy who's been made to make a trade happen, and he was certainly an instigating piece. Uh, they moved him to the Charlotte Hornets. The Grizzlies included the Miami Heat in the deal. The Grizzlies were able to get Birdman from the Miami Heat, and they were able to get P.J. Hairston from the Charlotte, um, Charlotte Hornets, and the Grizzlies were also able to get two future second-round picks, which I believe came from the Heat. And then also you saw uh, Brian Roberts came through in the deal. I think Brian Roberts went from the Hornets to the Heat, although the Heat promptly waived him. So the Heat were really trying to get back under the luxury tax. And I heard some interesting discussion on Bill Simmons' podcast as well with Chris uh, Ryan and Juliet Littman, where they were discussing how um, there was a bit of a recognizing that Chris Bosh and his blood clot issue, which has essentially come back since the All-Star break. He had a calf issue, which kept him out of the All-Star game. Uh, and now they're saying that the calf issue is probably related to the blood clot issue that kept him out of last the uh, second portion of last season. It's a real shame because this might be coming back again. And Chris Bosh might be dealing with this issue again. So again, there's no timetable for when Chris Bosh is returning. And there was a sense being said on the Bill Simmons podcast that Going and moving Chris Anderson and getting rid of these guys is kind of a way of freeing up cap space and sort of admitting that uh, Bosch is not coming back, that there is going to be a sense of, all right, let's not try to um, – you know, keep the cap because so they're they're close to, I think, going over the luxury tax and being a repeat offender. They wanted to be under the luxury tax because now they're in a situation where who knows how much of a push they're going to be able to make this season if Bosch isn't playing. Uh, so they were dumping salary, uh, definitely get rid of Birdman, get rid of Roberts. Like they're trying to pay less tax. The Hornets, I'm not really sure what the Hornets were trying to do in this deal. I guess they're trying to get a nice building block with, with Courtney Lee. I think Courtney Lee is a nice uh, rotational player on any team and can help anybody he comes to. It's not a superstar, but he's a good guy to have in your team and a good locker room guy as well. 
Um, the Grizzlies, on the other hand, uh, really, I think, made a move towards looking towards the future. They understand Gasol. Mark Gasol is going to be out for the rest of the season, probably. And um, they got two. So they essentially moved on from Courtney Lee and they got two future second round picks. They'll rent Chris Anderson, the Birdman, uh, for a little bit, and they're probably going to buy out his contract. He's going to take up some minutes while Marc Gasol is, is out for the playoffs. He'll probably get those minutes this season and then wave bye-bye to them. Uh, but either way, it was probably a decent deal for the Grizzlies, and the Heat are able to win out a little bit, and the Hornets get a nice little bit of a chip with Courtney Lee. So I kind of think they all win a little bit. Um, now we come to the deadline. So that happened a couple of days before the deadline. Then we actually got into the deadline, and we started to see uh, the things that were churning as the deadline began and, um, and what came out of it. So the first um, trade to hit the, to hit the presses, so to speak, was uh, the Detroit Pistons and the Houston Rockets. So the, Detroit, the Houston Rockets sent Marcus Thornton, who's a bit of a backup shooting guard, kind of an instant offense guy, like a Flip Murray, if anybody remembers Flip Murray back in the day, um, who can come out and just bring scoring off of your bench. Um, and Donatus Montejunas, which is a big seven-foot um, seven white guy who can shoot. He's got a nice three-point shot. Uh, interest, he's had some injury history uh, with the Rockets. So last season, he started about 60-some-odd games and played fantastic minutes for the Houston Rockets. However, he got injured. He had a back injury that ended his season. And then this season as well, he's also still been suffering from the injury. So his growth was stunted and kind of forgotten a little bit because we he hasn't been playing. But he is a nice young chip that Daryl Morey has been able to sort of hoard because he's able to kind of, you know, find some nice young draft picks, keep them, let them develop, and then either have them blossom into superstars on his team or use them as trade picks when he sends them elsewhere. So Montezunas is actually a pretty nice um, piece uh, that Stan Van Gundy was able to get from the Rockets. And once again, Stan Van Gundy being able to get pieces from other teams and not being and not moving too much. Now, in this one, he did have to move a draft pick. So Stan Van Gundy sent Joel Anthony and a first-round pick to the Houston Rockets. Now, if anybody remembers Joel Anthony, he was the, uh, the center big man, you know, backup big man that they would throw out on that Miami Heat team for a long time. He won two championships with LeBron and the big three out in Miami, but ever since uh, that Miami team broke up, Joel Anthony has kind of been a, a bit of a forgotten big man on a few Eastern Conference teams. He was on the Boston Celtics for a bit. Uh, he's played very limited minutes for the Pistons this year, to be quite candid. I didn't even know he was on the Pistons this year. I forgot he was even on the roster. Um, either way, Stan Van Gundy uses it as a nice asset to move out the door so he can bring in some quality people. Montejunas is someone who I think they can really build towards the future with. And Thornton is a guy who, you know, maybe they'll keep him around next year, but at least he'll bring some instant offense to the Pistons right now, and they could actually squeak into the, to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Now, the Rockets were dumping salary, clearly getting money off of their cap. As soon as they got Joel Anthony from uh, – the Pistons, and were able to get a draft pick from the Pistons as well. As soon as the Rockets got Joel Anthony, they sent him to the Philadelphia 76ers um, with a future second-round pick. So the Sixers, like they always do, end up getting a bit of a wasted asset with Joel Anthony. They're going to wave him right away, get him right off of the cap. Um, and But as Sam Hinkie likes to, uh, likes to, he went and got a second-round pick. That man getting second-round picks, he loves those second-round picks, and he went and he picked one up for Joel Anthony. 
uh, very typical of um, of Sam Hinkie and the Sixers to do something like that. Oh, and the trade when that happened, when the Sixers got Anthony in the second round pick, the Sixers sent the rights to a Nigerian forward named Chukwedaber Maduabum. Excuse me if I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly. Uh, Chuck Wedaber Maduabum. Apparently, the Sixers had rights to this guy. They sent his rights to the Rockets in order to get Anthony, Joel Anthony, and this future second round pick. Whatever. The feud, the Sixers were able to get a pick for a pick that didn't, you know, they didn't particularly want. It's it's the same old hinky story as we get all the time. Uh, I think the Pistons won that deal. The Pistons were the only people that were able to get a realistic asset right now, aside from draft picks. And the Pistons are trying to win right now, whereas the Sixers and the Rockets are trying to uh, um, get more draft picks into their arsenal. Uh, now, next um, tr- uh, trade that came down the line is probably one of the biggest marquee trades and the, and the, the larger ones that hit uh, during the trade deadline, which was the Cavaliers getting Channing Fry. Now, Channing Fry had been on the Orlando Magic. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't know why the hell the Orlando Magic signed Channing Fry to that deal when they did. They signed him to a deal. I believe he has two more seasons left on his deal. I think it was a four-year deal. It was pretty big money when he was a free agent from the Phoenix Suns. And Orlando really kind of went out on a limb. I thought it was a bit of an idiotic deal when it happened. Um, I think it, the proof is in the pudding. If you look at the numbers, Channing Fry, you know, has not been that great a rotational player. He hasn't been the guy who has earned the money they gave him. They gave him money, which was on the caliber of being a number two or number three superstar on a team where you are a valued blue chip member that's going to help move them towards a championship. And Channing Fry certainly wasn't that. He had become a rotational player. Um, he's a little bit on the older side when you look at the rest of the nucleus of that team being Aaron Gordon, uh, Evan Fournier, Nick Vucevic, Oladipo, Alfred Payton. Channing Fry kind of looks like the old guy who doesn't know where to fit in, almost like Richard Lewis when uh, you know he was on the Miami Heat. It's kind of like... How many guys? Do you, how many big men do you need to have out on the three-point line shooting threes? It's like he needs to be a three-point sharpshooter on a championship team, uh, and so he had been very much forgotten uh, in Orlando. I hadn't heard his name at all until the trade deadline showed up. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, Channing Fry is an appealing piece. It's like, when did this happen? When? What? What was he doing in Orlando? I forgot the guy was even there. I mean, I've been looking at box scores in Orlando every once in a while. I don't see Channing Fry getting minutes. It's because he wasn't getting minutes. It's because he's he's a sharpshooter who's overpaid and has got two more years left and well for a team like the Cavaliers getting a fairly big guy with some length who can stretch the floor do a little spot up three-point shooting it's kind of what Kevin Love's already doing but the Cavaliers went and they they got him uh so the Cavaliers had to move quite a bit to get him they had to trade Varejao this gut-wrenching you know painful moment of LeBron and the Cavaliers saying adios to Anderson Anderson Varejao Truth of the matter is, Varejao had not been the caliber of player that Verge, that we knew Varejao to be in the last four seasons. He's been riddled with injuries. His contract is atrocious, and it was terrible for that cap. So it's actually a bit of a positive to get him off of the books. They ended up sending um, a uh, they sent Varejao to the Portland Trailblazers, and the Trailblazers also got a future first round pick. I'm not sure who it came from, whether it came from the Cavaliers or the Magic. I think it came from the Magic. Uh, the Blazers promptly waived Anderson Varejao, bought him out, gave him all the money, said, get the heck out of here. Um, the uh, Orlando Magic also got Jared Cunningham from the Cleveland Cavaliers, who they promptly waived. 
uh, and they got a future second round pick from the Blazers. So there were some picks that went around in there. Um, I believe the Cavaliers were able to absorb Channing Frye with a trade exception, uh, which meant that uh, the Magic didn't need to really receive anything in return from the Cavaliers, and they were able to get a, uh, they were able to get a contract off of their books. They were able to get an additional draft pick. Um, you know that was kind of a win for a bit of everybody. The Cavs, I think, sort of won. They were able to get a bad Varejao contract off their books, and they pick up Channing Frye. Listen, Channing Frye could be a nice chip on their team in a championship run, or he could add very little, but it's it's a decent gamble, and it was a nice way to get Varejao off your books. So all in all, and I don't think it's a bad trade. And most of these trades are not bad trades. That's something else Zach Lowe was mentioning on his podcast, is that GMs are not stupid anymore. The, the, it's, it's, it's much harder to get cash-strapped and, and locked into some long-term deal where you're paying a player who's over the hill or injured way too much money. It's it's become much easier. We're much more in an NBA where shorter four- and five-year contracts are the norm. Uh, players are not getting locked in, locked into these seven, eight-year long deals where they can't get out of them and they're, they're holding up the team and their own careers. It just doesn't happen as much anymore. So much of these trades don't end up going in the wrong direction, and they do end up benefiting most teams um, in the long run. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Let's continue with the trades that happened. Um, Look a little bit more on uh, the ones that went down. Um, so the next trade that came over the ticker tape was uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder getting Randy Foy from the Denver Nuggets. Now, I like Randy Foy. He is a bit of a journeyman, just like Courtney Lee, but he's also someone who can bring something to the team. Uh, he's always had some three-point shooting ability. He's always had some dribbling ability. He can handle the ball. Again, nothing outstanding about him when it comes it's like Courtney Lee it's like he's not going to win you a championship but he's going to be a good rotational player who can be a good guy in the locker room can bring some quality ability to your team and he's not going to hurt you and I think for the Thunder when they need to go deep into their bench and they're going to be getting into the playoffs they're going to need guys like Randy Foy to hit those three-pointers or or play that extra defense or get that extra personal foul um, so I kind of like that for the Thunder it's a nice little blue chip uh, well he's not a blue chip player but it's a nice cog that they've put into their team as they get ready for a playoff run. Now on the Nuggets, hey man, the Nuggets, it worked for them as well. The Nuggets uh, took on DJ Augustine and Steve Novak and two second round picks. Uh, so number one, they get two second round picks, which is a win for them. Uh, they are able to get DJ Augustine and Steve Novak. They'll probably waive both of them. So that's money coming off of their cap. So all in all, it's probably a win for the Nuggets because they're not going to be winning anything this season. And they're able to get guys off of their books. And they're able to you know, improve everything uh, looking towards the future and get some draft picks. So not a terrible thing for them. All in all, a good trade. I think both teams won for, uh, for hopefully whatever purposes they had. Now, uh, the next trade that came down off the ticker was Markeith Morris, the troubled twin brother on the Phoenix Suns gets traded to the Washington Wizards. So the Washington Wizards go get Markeith Morris and the Wizards send to Phoenix Chris Humphreys, Dewan Blair, and a future first round pick. So Markeith Morris won it out of Phoenix. He um, just recently, about a week ago, got into a physical scuffle on the bench on live TV with his teammate Archie Goodwin. Um, Markeith had been a problem in Phoenix from a I'm just going to say it from a head case emotional standpoint, not necessarily from a talent or basketball ability standpoint for the Phoenix Suns ever since the offseason when they traded his twin brother Marcus to the Detroit Pistons. Now, 
Quick little history lesson about these guys, if you don't know. Marcus Morris and Markeith Morris are two identical twin brothers who'd been playing for the Phoenix Suns for the last couple of seasons. In addition to them being identical twin brothers who both play professional basketball in the same professional sports franchise, they also had a knack for getting into trouble. Occasionally, I believe they still have an outstanding court case in Phoenix regarding a physical altercation that they were in where they were possibly beating up somebody. Uh, And they've had instances where I believe they've gotten into verbal altercations with teammates and other people. So there's drama that follows them. Now, when they negotiated their contract with the Phoenix Suns recently, they pretty much negotiated an unspoken agreement that the two of them would remain on the team together. I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking and daydreaming and uh, immature to think that that's how the NBA would work or that it could work that way. Um, But nothing was ever put in writing. And after about a season or two, um, Stan Van Gundy did a great job and was able to trade, uh, was able to get Marcus uh, Marcus Morris away from the Phoenix Suns. And it left Markeith very, very upset in Phoenix. And the rest of the franchise had their own problems, firing Jeff Hornacek as the head coach, firing other key fantastic assistant coaches right before they could possibly take the job. Earl Watson is now saddled with a team where the wheels have completely come off the wagon. They're right down in the bottom of the dumps with the Philadelphia 76ers as being one of the worst teams in the league along with the Los Angeles Lakers. They are, as I've said before in my podcast, I will say again, the only team that the Philadelphia 76ers have swept this season. That's right. The the Suns lost two games, count them two, to the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's the Sixers with only eight wins this season. I could go on and on. Um, anyway, I've talked enough about Markeith and Marcus Morris and their drama. Let's talk more about this trade. So the trade ended up actually being where the Wizards were able to get Markeith. So he goes to greener pastures. He has a new uh, locale to play in. He's got a new arena. He's got new people. It's a fresh outlook. I'm sure it's a good thing for Markeith. And the Wizards are able to get a guy who's got some good basketball ability. I don't know if he's going to be cancerous on that locker room, but I can tell you that he's going to bring some, you know, good play to that team. Uh, First game since the trade, he actually, Wizards played the Detroit Pistons, and uh, Marcus and Markeith played against each other. Uh, So Markeith is already getting some minutes for the Wizards, playing some good quality stuff. Um, So it's it's not a total loss for the Wizards. I don't know if it's going to be enough to push them into the playoffs this year. Now, for the Suns, they were able to get rid of a toxic asset in Markeith Morris. Uh, They get Chris Humphreys. You know, I'm sure he'll play some good rotational minutes. Dewan Blair. These these guys are just they're deep bench guys who are going to be cut or waived or salary uh, casualties at the end of the season. But the real winner is that they get a first round pick. The Suns were able to get a first round pick from Markeith Morris and you know, the Suns, just everything's gone wrong. With that backcourt, when they had Dragic and Isaiah Thomas, and they moved on from them, and I think they still have Brandon Knight, and they still have Eric Bledsoe, and they've got injuries. It's just an absolute mess there in Phoenix. Markeith is much better out of there either way. Phoenix needs to figure out how to start over, and that's the truth. Now, the last trade which seemed to come down on the ticker was one of the bigger ones, I think, and it was the Memphis Grizzlies and the um, Los Angeles Clippers. Now, The Memphis Grizzlies sent Jeff Green to the Clippers, and the Clippers sent Lance Stevenson and a first-round pick to the Grizzlies. So this is one of the larger deals because Jeff Green is another omission that Blake Griffin is probably not coming back. It's another description saying that we're going to need some type of a four or a big three or some type of, you know, forward-type 
scoring ability guy who's going to bring something to our team. And Jeff Green is that. Jeff Green is a scorer. He's got some uh, defensive ability. He's got some size. He's an all-around player, and I think Doc Rivers likes guys. Apparently, Doc Rivers likes guys that have killed him before in games. And, you know, he finds other guys who are dangerous, and, you know, he takes a liking to them. And Jeff Green was already getting minutes with the Clippers right after the trade. He's already put into that rotation. I think he's probably a better starting three or starting four than a Luke Mbabute or a Paul Pierce. You know, Mbabute is probably playing over his head. Paul Pierce is a guy who is, you know, there's only so many miles you can put on the, on the engine with Paul Pierce in order to have him still ready to go for the playoffs. Um, but I think these uh, this was a positive trade for them. Um, Stevenson, you know, I don't think he was a bad fit in on the Clippers, but I don't think he was a good fit either. He's really been a bit of a lost player ever since he left Indiana when he was in Charlotte, and then he comes to the Clippers. I mean, he's just now he's just a contract that people are trying to get off their books, and it was clear that Doc Rivers saw more that Jeff Green could bring to his team now in a win-now mode uh, than Lance Stevenson, and Doc Rivers willing enough to move a first-round pick for him. That was bold. And kudos for the Grizzlies for scoring a first-round pick. They got a first-round pick, and they got Lance Stevenson in that deal. That's a that's a heck of a deal, if you ask me. And, I mean, listen, Lance Stevenson, that contract's going to end soon enough. He'll come off their books. Another moment where the Grizzlies are planning for the future. They moved Courtney Lee. They moved Jeff Green. More win-now, good, high-quality, expensive players for draft picks. I think they ended up accumulating about four draft picks um, in that entire uh, trade scenario. Uh, that's, that's a bit of a win for the Grizzlies. Um, but it is more of a... I think admission that they're not going to be winning now either and that they need to start planning for uh, whatever the um, the future holds after Marc Gasol, Zebo, and uh, Mike Conley. And I'll probably just throw in Tony Allen because I feel like he's marked that era as well. Whew. That was the long and short of all the trades that came through. And there were quite a few trades that came through. Uh, hang on just a moment. Let me get, I'm going to Take a breather so I can get ready for the mailbag. Everybody get ready. I'm coming up with the mailbag. All right, here we go. Here we go with the first mailbag here. Going to pull out the first one here. Okay, and the first question is from Timmy in San Antonio, Texas. Timmy, I wonder if it's Tim Duncan. Ah, no, he probably would say, hey, it's me, Tim Duncan, as opposed to Timmy. <laughs> You're such a kidder. All right, he says to me, he says, Sam... Uh, there have been some uh, uh, rumors going around that now and that Anderson Verajao has been traded away and waived by the Blazers that he will get picked up by the Golden State Warriors and it's looking pretty good. Do you think this is going to happen? And if it does, will it help the Warriors or hurt them? It's a darn good question from Timmy in San Antonio. Okay, Timmy, um, the Warriors... Even if they pick up a guy like Verajao, I think they're a functional enough team and franchise, and they have a strong enough chemistry already that they can find a way to rotate a guy like him in. Uh, and they do know that they are going to need some big man help. Uh, Bogut certainly had some matchup issues in the playoffs last year. Uh, Barnes and Spates and Draymond, they're all going to need a little assistance. So getting another um, big man like a Verajao certainly can't hurt. I think it probably. I think if they get him, if they get him on the team, it's not going to be a deficiency. They're not going to then, you know, listen, if he ends up creating problems on the team and doesn't fit in at all, then I do think that uh, he'll just end up playing much fewer minutes and the Warriors, listen, they know how to win, and they're not afraid to sit a guy on the bench because he's not working out on the team. Just ask David Lee from last year, and, you know, he, he can tell you all about that. Okay. Okay, here we go. We got the next mailbag question here. 
This one is from Dana in Minneapolis. Dana says, Sam, got a question for you regarding David Lee. So David Lee recently waived by the Boston Celtics, hoping to sign with a playoff team. Which team will he sign with? That is Dana in Minneapolis. So Dana, all right, this is what I'm thinking. David Lee waived by the Celtics. Um, he's got he's got a, he's got rebounding and energy and he can score but I think he is a bit of a defensive liability. I believe there have been some rumors circulating that the Dallas Mavericks want to try to go get him. That sounds very Mark Cuban in my opinion. Mark Cuban is definitely a guy who will go and try to get a um, an experienced big man or rotational player towards the deadline. Um, you know, I wouldn't put it past Mark Cuban and the Mavericks whatsoever. Um, you know, as I think about it, I'm trying to think which teams could use him, but are also wise enough. Like I thought maybe the Toronto Raptors, but that's not someone that's really going to help their team all that much. And I kind of don't think Masai uh, Ujiri, the GM of the Raptors is, he's not, he's not that stupid. Like he doesn't need to add a guy like David Lee to put his team over the top. Um, the, the other team that I, you know, as I thought about, cause the thunder are not going to do something like that, but the team that I do think could do something like that is the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, Greg Popovich and that Spurs team has always found a way of bringing in some type of an older wily veteran, be it a Tracy McGrady or a Glenn Robinson or whomever, and bringing them in towards the end of their career and saying, Hey, listen, Hey, Hey, Michael Finley. Hey, you want to win a championship here? Just come here and just play some spot minutes for us. Just, 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 just a little bit here, here and there. And you know, it's, it's never really hurt them in the long run. And it's good to have a guy like that in your rotation. Um, so that's kind of what I see for for David Lee. Although I don't, I don't know if it'll actually happen. I think if he goes anywhere, it's probably going to end up being with the Mavericks. Okay, we got our next mailbag question here. This is from Dustin in Naples, Florida. He says, "Sam, got a question for you uh, regarding the Golden State Warriors getting blown out by 32 points in Portland the other night. Damian Lillard dropped 51 points. Dustin says, uh, Sam, is this something to worry about?" And is this a sign of things to come or just a one-off anomaly loss? Okay, Uh, that's a good question, Dustin. Uh, So I think that coming out of the All-Star break, it was certainly a bit of a a hiccup or a stumbling block to come right out and lose like that. Um, And I think that uh, it's it's tough. They're, you know, the the long season for the Warriors as they try to make history with this breaking the 96 Bulls 72-10 and season uh, record. Um, they're flying all over the place. Uh, they had to go up to Portland, and I think they kind of, you know, Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers got the better of them. He dropped 51 points. Uh, there was a real feeling that they were manhandling them. I think some of the shots for the Warriors were not going down. Uh, there was a real, listen, at times the Warriors can play sloppy. They can get careless. They can do, you know, sort of this transition offense where they're just lobbing the ball back and forth down the court. And lots of times that leads to exciting play, but it also leads to turnovers and sloppy play. And um, I think we saw some of that in Portland the other night. Um, And to sort of follow up right on that, I can tell you that uh, the um, Warriors, I watched them last night go to Los Angeles and play the Clippers, and it was a pretty exciting game, I'll tell you that. But the Warriors did come out with a win. It looked pretty convincing. However, I I can't mention this without saying how at the very end of the game, 
the starters sat down and the second string players came into the game and uh, the Warriors had a 13-point lead and Pablo Prigioni and Wesley Johnson hit about five straight three-pointers and nearly won the game for the Clippers in the closing seconds until Steve Kerr called a timeout, put his starters back in the game, and they actually closed it out. Um, I don't think a blowout loss to the Trailblazers is anything to be afraid of. I do think it is a little bit anomalous, but it does show that this team is mortal and it shows that there are flaws and cracks in the armor. There are places to attack them. There are ways to get the better of Draymond Green. There are ways to get physical with this Warriors team. And, uh, and you know, this this loss to the Portland Trailblazers is a uh, is 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 a bit of um you know it's a bit of a warning sign for that they got to be careful they can't just rest on their laurels they're gonna have to play hard every night and every night it, it you know they come in and they're the champs every night whoever they're playing that team has got to beat the champs and that's a tough thing to do every single night especially when you're trying to uh, win 73 games and break that record all right next mailbag question here we got this is from Danny in Albany New York he says Sam I saw Vince Carter hit this full court shot the other night. Quite amazing. Vince Carter still has got a lot left in the tank. How many more years do you think he has playing in the NBA? Thanks, Danny from Albany. Okay, Danny. Um, Vince Carter is a bit of a freak of nature. Uh, like many players of his generation, uh, I would venture to say an Allen Iverson and some of the and the Chauncey Billups, some of those guys. You know, I am just thoroughly amazed that Vince Carter has lasted this long. He's really someone who has blossomed and has evolved from that slam dunking monster champ of, of the Toronto Raptors and has found his way into being this seasoned veteran journeyman who who brings great things and great energy and great minutes to a team. I was very much wondering, even as as much as last year, how many more years he would have left. I think he has another full season with his contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, it was also two years ago, if you remember, he hit that three in the playoffs and won the game for the Dallas Mavericks. Like, there's still some excitement from Vince Carter. I mean, he's still making highlights, and I, it's just amazing to see how much longer he's got in him. He kind of uh, makes me think of Paul Pierce. You know, Paul Pierce, this guy who just continues to defy, or defy nature with how much longer he plays. Um showing that he can overcome the uh, physical disadvantages that are coming with his age and, and realizing that his basketball IQ is still so valuable and still such an asset to so many of these teams that he can get quality minutes and, and even for a team like the Clippers be starting. Uh, so I still see quality minutes coming from Vince Carter. I love Vince Carter. Um, you know, except when he's beating my teams. But uh, uh, I certainly like Vince Carter. I like watching him play. I like watching highlights about him. I think he's always been a fairly classy guy, all things considered. Um, and uh, I think he plays the rest of the season for the Grizzlies. I think he plays next year. You know, and I can even see him playing an additional two more years beyond that. I'm just going to go out there and say it. I think Vince Carter's got a lot of ability. He finds a way to stay with these teams, and he finds a way to continue to contribute even at this later state in his career. Um, so, great player. I think we enjoy watching him, and uh, it'll be a sad day when he does retire. All right, that's all I got for my mailbag today. I uh, just wanted to cup through, hit through a couple of mailbag questions. Thanks a lot for joining me on those mailbag questions here. A couple of uh, headlines I wanted to throw out before I sign off today. Um, Kobe and Tim Duncan had their last hurrah Spurs-Lakers game the other night. I think Kobe might have actually hurt himself in the game. And, uh, of course, the Lakers lost. They're terrible this season. Um, also, the Sixers had a pretty darn good uh, outing against the New Orleans Pelicans the other night. Um, 
They were losing by quite a bit, and then they made it a game at the end of the game, but of course could not close it out in the fourth. Um, Sixers ended up losing. Uh, the uh, Sixers also waived Jakar Sampson. He'd been getting some sparing minutes with the Sixers, you know, just another sort of guy who wasn't really working out. Um, so he's going to be gone. Let's see who else the Sixers can trot out there and see uh, who fits in with their core, although truthfully no one's a sure bet with that Sixers franchise right now. Um, Sean Marks, former player, uh, longtime executive with the San Antonio Spurs, was hired as the new general manager of the Brooklyn Nets. Let's see how that works out for them. The first thing he did was immediately wave Andrea Bargnani, which I thought was a terrible signing for the Nets. But, you know, I don't really know what the heck Billy King's been doing these days. And, you know, he's unemployed. I think that says a lot. Kawhi Leonard missed the last couple of games with a calf injury. Um, and also uh, Steve Novak, who was in that uh, Denver-Oklahoma City trade, um, was waived uh, by the Nuggets. I think the Milwaukee Bucks are going to go try to pick him up. I don't really know exactly what it's going to do for their team, but I think he's a longtime Marquette player, so maybe he's familiar with the area. Uh, but just a couple more things that are popping up uh, on the NBA front as of right now. But that's all I have to talk about for today. I want to check back in, talk about some of those trades. Um, for the longtime listeners, as I always say, subscribe to me on iTunes, subscribe to me on Stitcher, SoundCloud, follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones, email me at samssportsstation at gmail.com with any comments or feedbacks. And of course, I'm going to say again, I will be coming to local Philadelphia radio, 610 a.m. ESPN radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. starting Saturday, March 5th. You will be hearing Sam Sports Show, very similar to this show, only much more focused on the Philadelphia sports scene. Uh, I'll be doing fun things like I always do and um, talking sports like I always do. So if you're in the area, uh, uh, tune in to 610 AM ESPN Radio or go to 610amsports.com. You can listen to me live or you can listen to me in podcast form there. Uh, but we'll be coming back soon enough, talking more NBA, talking more NFL. I think I'm going to do an off-season preview of the other NFC East teams coming up uh, so we can all indulge in our football and basketball. Guys, I love you. As always, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.